Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench on a busy, busy Sunday of sport. We'll be looking at all the football this afternoon, FA Cup, Premier League and looking ahead to a big weekend of international football right throughout the week in fact with Ireland's game against Serbia kicking it off on Wednesday night we'll also be previewing the brand new League of Ireland season Cork City and Cove Ramblers a massive local derby next Friday we'll hear from George O'Callaghan and George Heaven ahead of that game and of course we will be looking back on an amazing Six Nations campaign and what a win for Ireland over England at the Aviva Stadium yesterday we'll hear from Tomás O'Leary all about that too Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7pm here on the bench on Red FM on a busy weekend of sport. Lots going on. Uh, lots of football today and uh, right across the weekend. It's FA Cup, it's Premier League and there was even an old firm derby up in Scotland earlier on today as well. Celtic and Rangers earlier on today um, in the old firm. And it was a draw. Celtic won, Rangers won full time in the early kickoff there. That was a midday kickoff in the Old Firm Derby. Obviously, Rangers already crowned champions. Celtic couldn't do it this year. They had a pretty bad season by their standards, and Rangers capitalised on that under Steven Gerrard and picked up their first title in a decade. So, Rangers are champions, but it did finish all square, one all at Parkhead earlier on between Celtic and Rangers. Some other games uh, around the place today as well. In the Premier League, two fixtures today. Later on, Aston Villa up against Tottenham Hotspurs um, and that is a game that Jose Mourinho will really really want to win for Spurs because they're under pressure after being knocked out of the Europa League during the week 3-0 they were beaten by Dynamo Zagreb having been up 2-0 from the first leg so Mourinho's under pressure there on top of losing to Arsenal in the Premier League in the North London Derby as well Arsenal themselves were in action earlier on today and it looked like they were going to lose to West Ham who are flying high their fifth in the Premier League West Ham Arsenal went 3-0 down to West Ham but they fought back and what a game it was uh, Arsenal getting it back to 3-all Guy Swindles was at the London Stadium West Ham 3, Arsenal 3, absolute classic London derby. Hammers raced into a lead as they dominated the first half an hour, thanks to a brilliant goal from Lingard. Then there were goals from Bowen and from Suchek, but Arsenal then began the fight back. Lacazette's shot was deflected in his own net by Suchek, 3-1 at half-time. Second own goal as Dawson thumped in a header past his own keeper, and then with 10 minutes remaining. Pepe's cross was headed home by Lacazette. West Ham had a chance to make it 4-2 when Antonio hit a post but it ends up as 3-3. 3-3 it finished at the London Stadium. West Ham and Arsenal what a comeback. Uh, FA Cup as well right across this weekend and Chelsea they beat Sheffield United 2-0 in their FA Cup quarter final earlier on. George Alderman was at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2 Sheffield United 0 and the Londoners on their way to the last four of the FA Cup but it wasn't as comfortable as the scoreline suggests. It was a first half own goal and then a goal deep into injury time from Hakim Ziyech that made sure for Chelsea. Sheffield United pushed them all the way in the second half. David McGoldrick with their best chance to score. His header going just wide when it looked easier to score. McGoldrick also with a good shot that forced a save 
from Kepa Ariza Balaga. And before Chelsea got their goal in injury time, Rian Brewster with a fierce effort from the edge of the area that was deflected behind for a corner. But it's Chelsea who avoid the upset. They've beaten Sheffield United 2-0 to progress to the FA Cup semi-finals. Yeah, so Chelsea on a great run and doing really, really well since Thomas Tuchel came over um, and took over from Frank Lampard there as manager. And they're flying and they could be going on to win an FA Cup because they are into the semi-finals. The draw for the FA Cup semi-finals will be made later on this evening. One other match underway in the FA Cup at the moment. It's a big one. Two high-flying teams in the Premier League. Second place, Manchester United away to third place, Leicester. And it is currently one all. Leicester won, Manchester United won. Ian Acho gave Leicester an early lead there, 1-0. And Mason Greenwood equalising on 38 minutes for Manchester United to make it Leicester 1, Man United 1. 46 minutes on the clock in that game. We'll keep you up to date. As I said, the draw for the next round of the FA Cup will be made after that game later on this evening. Loads more football coming up on the show later on. We're previewing a brand new League of Ireland season. George O'Callaghan, Cork City legend, will be joining us to preview the League of Ireland season and look ahead to a massive local derby between Cork City and Cove Ramblers at Turner's Cross next Friday night. Can't wait for that one, lads. First time in uh, over 10 years, over a decade, that Cork City and Cove Ramblers will do battle in the league. And it's in the first division this time. The last time it was when Cove uh, got promoted, I think. And uh, Cork City now down in the first division. Cork City have signed another George. New signing George Heaven. We'll hear from him as well. We'll also hear from the Cork City women's team as captain for this season, Becky Casson, later on. And we'll be talking about Ireland. Stephen Kenny and his Ireland team and the World Cup qualifying campaign beginning this week with a big game a tough game against Serbia we'll chat to Irish and Liverpool legend Ronnie Whelan about that game later on in the show but where else would we start but with rugby because what a day it was yesterday what an evening it was of rugby in the Six Nations we had uh, all the drama in the uh, France and Wales game and before that of course we had Ireland's fantastic victory 32 18 Ireland beating England at the Aviva Stadium. It's been a kind of a mixed Six Nations campaign for Ireland this year. And uh, they started off pretty dodgy uh, with results against Wales and France. You know, kind of turned it around a little bit with beating Italy, as you'd expect, Scotland, and then that fantastic win that they, they needed really against England yesterday at the Aviva. As I said, 32-18 the final score. And we're going to chat now to a man who played in many of those games himself for Ireland. Um, Munster, an Ireland star, former Munster and Ireland star, Tomás O'Leary. Tomás, how are you? Hello, how's the farm? Not too bad at all. What a win, Tomás. 32-18 and Ireland did it in style yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, it was fantastic to watch. Um, I kind of held a bit of hope for Ireland and, and kind of a sneaky suspicion that they might get the win. Um, I guess both teams prior to this game had been kind of struggling for, for form. Um, England, obviously, since the last World Cup, have, have kind of gone downhill. And uh, obviously, Ireland under Farrell have kind of stuttered to, to get going with the pandemic and with, the, I suppose, the, the Welsh game in particular uh, and France as well. Um, but yeah, I obviously yesterday then was a, a real kind of a kickstart to, to Farrell's regime um, so hopefully it's kind of a sign of things to come That is how it felt because I was reading this morning it was Andy Farrell's 14th test match in charge of Ireland and like it was kind of stuttering along the whole time it, it, it was like it hadn't clicked but it was like we were expecting something eventually to happen and I think that did happen yesterday didn't it? Yeah it definitely did uh, but to be fair the, you know, the sound bites and, and the words in the camp was all positive about, um, I suppose, the, the environment that he's creating and the work that they're doing on the pitch. Uh, we haven't seen that translate into performance um, until yesterday. 
but um, I think the the kind of the sound bites from the players are usually uh, quite telling when it comes to I suppose the the the, the, the camp and the management and and how they're going. So I mean, the hall has been positive in uh, in fairness to Farrell. So it's great to see that translate onto the pitch. Um, I know that you know any player I talk to any any of the I suppose players who've played under him in the past, you know, have great um, respect and regard for him. So I think he's the right man for the job. And you know, even up until yesterday, there were people questioning whether he was the right man to for this job. And I think hopefully now he's put all those kind of uh, that kind of talk and questions to bed. I think he has after yesterday. And but I mean, a lot of those questions, as you say, were coming from outside the camp. I think when when the sound bites are good coming from the players and the people actually involved in the setup, and there's a, there's a positive atmosphere coming out of that, that's always a good sign, isn't it? 100% and uh, you know if the players are enjoying things and they're being challenged and they feel like they're actually developing um, and then they're happy um, obviously you do need results as well so hopefully now the results are starting to come look even when you look back to the losses um, you know the Welsh loss mm. and the French loss you know the, in particular the Wales game was, was very very close um, I know the scoreboard was pretty close in the French game um, so like we're, we're not too far away um, even when it comes to those two games that we lost, so and look at the table now. I know, um, I know, you know, the French team um, have a game in hand um, against um, against uh, Scotland next week. Mm. So um, you know they're obviously going to the seven ways will finish ahead of us um, in the table. But look, it's been a decent enough Six Nations, and particularly uh, a good way to finish and, and leave in that positive mindset for for the next summer summer tour. Great way to finish it and especially I think that the last maybe probably the last three or four games against England have been bad experiences for Irish sides I mean we've we've had a couple of bad results there and been beaten well by England a couple of times over the last couple of years so it was good to get them on home soil in the Aviva and get a result against England like that finally and, and to do it with a bit of passion with a bit of fight and to kind of to, to beat them comprehensively I suppose really Yeah we did we physically dominated them really and in the prior, in the previous four or five games, that's an area where we failed to to handle England. Um, they both muscled us. Um, but you see, yesterday, particularly the back row, I thought Conan was outstanding, and it's great to to see him come in and ha- have such a big game, particularly with with Stander, who was again uh, his physical uh, abrasive itself yesterday with, with him moving on. Um, so it's great to see Conan uh, come to the fore. Um, so look, I suppose we were able to bring that physicality where we couldn't match them previously. And then obviously we had the, the skill set on the back of that then to, and the game management to, to put England to the sword. Like, so it was very, very impressive uh, from the Irish team. Yeah, you mentioned Jack Conan. Um, he's mentioned a, a lot after yesterday's game, a lot of praise for him, a lot of praise for the likes of Robbie Henshaw, uh, Tyke Furlong coming in for a lot of praise. Uh, but overall, I mean, it was, it was a very good team performance overall, wasn't it? It was. And you kind of, look, set piece, like you told that, you know, that... Um, um, that, that scrum in particular uh, were Furlong and he did a little jig after it. I think that's turned into, uh, into uh, a meme already. Like, um, but he, you know, he was fantastic as were all the front row and the lower liner time as well. So set piece, obviously being the, the fundamentals of the game and giving us that, I suppose, that um, structure and that, that um, starting point whereby our backs could come into the game. You see the Earls try off, off first phase was fantastic. And, you know, the partnership mm-hmm. of Aki and Henshaw was really abrasive in midfield. As you said, Henshaw led from the front. Um, and then you had, uh, I, suppose, I thought Murray was excellent yep. as well yesterday, controlling the game and setting the tempo. And obviously, Sexton proved again, you know, how far ahead of the, the, the other tens that he is as well. So overall, it was a very I suppose, complete um, Irish performance and kind of all the different elements of the game came together. 
Uh, you mentioned CJ Stander as well, and obviously he's been he's been very much in the news all week since he announced his surprising retirement to many people that he was that he was leaving Ireland. And um, I mean, he's got to be a loss, isn't he? But what a great career he's had with Ireland. Yeah, look, he's going to be a massive loss, um, and you know all the talk you hear from from players from management, um, it kind of all references how how good a guy he is and how genuine a guy he is, and that's probably the main thing. You know, he'll just be a loss. Um, to to Munster and and to Ireland and and the camps, you know just how genuine a guy he is. Um, he's kind of a, I suppose, obviously a leader on the pitch in terms of how he plays, how he leads from the front. But in terms of, I suppose, the social dynamic of it, of mm. those squads as well, he's definitely a social leader and, and just an all-around good guy. So, look, the impact he's made on Munster and Irish rugby, um, you know, it's, he can be very proud of of what he's achieved here. And look, he'll be be definitely missed, um, you know, in Limerick and the further afield. Do you think it was obviously a surprise, um, certainly to, to fans and to the media and so on, when he made that announcement during the week? Do you think that the, the likes of people within the Munster camp and, and the Ireland camp and so on, the other players, that they, did they know this was coming? Do you think he had told people in advance, or was this a, a bolt out of the blue for everyone? No, the lads who I've spoken to, it was, it was a total bolt out of the blue for them as well. Um, and I think he kept it to, I suppose, maybe one or two of his friends, but um, and, and I was obviously talking to the, the union as well, but. The lads were literally told the morning of the announcement, and you know, like like the rest of us, they got a got a big shock, I suppose. Mm. But look, I suppose uh, understanding the scenario, um, you know, with him, he's a wife and a, a, a young girl as well, and you know, they're they're keen to go back to South Africa, um, and obviously he's got a big farm in South Africa that he worked on on before he came, and it's a big family business. So I think he's looking forward to getting um, getting stuck back into that too. So look. It's uh, look. It's a very kind of uh, brave and noble call, but he's obviously really, really, um, I suppose, satisfied in what he's achieved, and he's he's very happy with the decision. I know I messaged him, and he, you know, he was he was back and saying, look, he's just really looking forward to, to hopefully finishing on a high, um, you know, especially with Munster now next week and trying to get a trying to get a trophy. It's just a shame there wasn't a full house there yesterday to give him a big send off, isn't it? Yeah, look, that's the that's the pity of this pandemic, and you know, you're watching games on TV and you're watching different live events and uh, there's certainly um, I suppose there's certainly not uh, the the atmosphere and the spectacle that they previously were and you know the, the impact of the crowd could yeah, the, have the crowd would have been amazing yesterday for a game like that wouldn't it yeah, you can imagine them coming off at, at half time being clapped in and cheered in and you can imagine some of the big hits and the big confrontations going on and Ireland scoring those tries you can imagine you can imagine just the uh, the atmosphere that that would create and the buzz that it would create and then obviously that lifts people even at home watching it on, on TV so um, yeah it's just a pity um, that we can't experience it but look hopefully uh, once we do get back to normal that we'll uh, we'll appreciate those live events and those live sporting events uh, all the more for, for what we've been through and they're talking about having fans back at a lot, of, a lot of games in England and in the UK kind of as soon as May or June time so you'd imagine even by next season here when it rolls around we, we should have the crowds back hopefully yeah, you'd hope hope so. Well, if we can get our hands on some vaccines, anyway. <laughs> That's the major be. issue, isn't it? Yeah, stuff. It's it's mad. Like, um, and you, I suppose you look at how they're getting on with it, like down in Australia and New Zealand, mm. and you know the crowds at those games, and you know your, some of your mates who are who are living down in New Zealand and, and Australia are just cracking on as normal. Um, so hopefully the UK will will lead the way here. Um, for us here as near neighbours, and we can follow suit pretty quickly. So yeah, look, the sooner we can 
get back to um, you know going to live events and, and going to games um, obviously the better for all of us sooner the better uh, Warren Gatlin was at the game yesterday actually he's going to be quite impressed with a lot of the Irish squad after yesterday's game ahead of the Lions tour isn't he I think so um, look I think you can you can kind of uh, speculate that Furlong will probably be nailed on after yesterday. Um, Tyke Byrne has been fantastic um, during this whole Six Nations. I think Henderson will will definitely go. Um, look, CJ Stander, I don't know whether he intends to play in the Lions Tour, but that would be an unbelievable uh, way to finish against his his home country. Um, I think, look, Jack Conan might even be an outsider now after yesterday. I think you'll find that Murray and Sexton are, are nailed on. Henshaw, obviously, and I think um, Keith Earls in particular as well. And look, what a performance from our full-back um, throughout this Six Nations campaign as well. So he could be a bit of a, a bolter as well. So I think there's a good few of the lads uh, in Irish jerseys definitely would uh, would be happy and would have put their hand up for uh, for line selection. Then obviously we had the, the France game last night, France and Wales as well. And it was a cracking finish to the game. Wales kind of looked to have sealed the Grand Slam. And then France just battled back in the closing points of the game, uh, closing uh, point of the game. And they got, they got that late try. And I mean, it was a fantastic finish, wasn't it? Yeah, that was an unbelievable game, to be fair. Um, even the first half with the, you know, tries, tries rolling in. And then just uh, at the end where Wales um, looked like they were hanging on for the Grand Slam and Alan jones was going for his fourth Grand Slam, which is incredible. Um, but obviously, you know, they got um, got uh, French, France at the man sent off and then Wales got two mm. yellow cards. So, um, you know, Fra- uh, France made sure that they, they utilised that, uh, that that one-man advantage in the last couple of minutes of the game where, where Wales were out on their feet with, with 13 men. So, yeah, an incredible finish. And look, the French team... We know how much uh, firepower they have and, and flair they have, um, but like they backed it up with that bit of metal when they needed to, to last night to keep their Six Nations campaign um, alive, I guess. So, yeah, look, it was, I suppose, an unbelievable game to watch. And so in the end, I was kind of feeling a bit uh, a bit sorry for the, the Welsh, the Welsh <laughs> team, you know, having, I suppose, become so close to, to, to getting another yeah. Grand Slam. Um, but you have to say that the French probably have been the most exciting team to watch um, in the Six Nations campaign so hopefully they might try and uh, you know get that bonus point next week and a 21 point difference uh, that they need to, to make up and win the championship Yeah they, they, they need a comprehensive win next week really do you think they'll do it? Um, I think it was a lot of like Friday night game isn't it um, yeah. a lot of conditions really uh, and whether they're I suppose uh, allowed and whether the conditions are conducive enough to, to move the ball um, to be fair to Scotland they're much improved, um, and you know they're they're a very physical side, particularly in the, in the back line. So um, I think it might be just a step too far for the French team to to get a 21 point uh, victory uh, with a bonus point. But look, we know that any, if anyone can do it in the Northern Hemisphere, it's definitely this French team. So look, I'll be I'll, I'll have my uh, my French beret and my French jersey <laughs> on anyway, cheering for for them on Friday night. Send us a photo of that, will you? <laughs> I will, yeah, I will, no problem, Cole. Um, come here, listen, did you enjoy the Six Nations campaign this year overall? I mean, it, it was a different one because we mentioned no crowds at the games and that kind of thing. Um, it started off slow for Ireland with the two defeats, but it finished very, very well. Did you enjoy it overall? Yeah, like you said, it's it's very, very strange because it's hard to, to get invested in it when there's, you know, when the, you're looking at a TV with an empty stadium. Um, and then obviously Ireland's, Beginning to the campaign was was very underwhelming, um, but I think um, like like you said yesterday, just leaves everyone in the country with a bit of a pep in our step. 
and kind of a lot of hope for the future of this Irish team and obviously we're starting to look towards the World Cup um, so yeah I, I think I enjoyed it overall but look you can't compare it to, to previous campaigns whereby you know you've got the, the crowds or you can go up to Dublin watch a game or whatever it is but um, look it's the best of, a, best of a bad scenario but definitely I'm hopeful that this is the start of uh, Farrell's kind of real influence in this Irish team Fingers crossed. Listen, Tomás, thanks a million for chatting to us and we'll chat to you soon, all right? Cheers, Cole. Pleasure, bye. And as Tomás was saying, hopefully it is um, kind of a start of a turnaround for Andy Farrell and start of a, of a good era for Andy Farrell and for this Irish team. Let's just briefly hear some reaction from the Irish boss after yesterday's game. Look, uh, to, 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 win, to win any uh, of your last game in, 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 a, in, a, in a tournament is, is always pleasing because, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long, long time between drinks, isn't it, until, until the next one. So to finish off with the W is, 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 is pleasing, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just delighted for the lads, you know, because we're coming for a bit of stick or obviously we, we've, we've lost, a, lost a couple of games and lost one here to France, which... You know, we never like to we, we never like to lose, but um, the, the the lads have always always believed in in how they're progressing, and they've always thought that there's a performance like that in them, and the performance wasn't 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 perfect. You know, there's still a lot to work on, but I'm so pleased for them that they 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 got over the line um, uh, with, with a nice victory against a very good side. Yeah, more than just a nice victory. It was a great victory, really, wasn't it? Uh, kind of cheered people up yesterday, I think. And we all need a bit of cheering up at the moment. So a good win for Ireland, wrapping up their Six Nations campaign. Ireland 32, England 18 at the Aviva Stadium yesterday. And uh, more of that, please. More of that from Andy Farner from the Irish team. Beating England, always good. Uh, we're switching codes. We're switching to football. And, you know, beating anyone would be nice for the Irish football team at the moment. Since Stephen Kenny has taken over as Republic of Ireland boss, he's been quite unlucky with with injuries, with COVID, with uh, various things going on out of his control and he hasn't got the results and Ireland haven't been getting goals and they haven't been getting wins and so on. But it is the start of a brand new World Cup qualifying campaign for Stephen Kenny and the Republic of Ireland this week. A big, big game awaits away to Serbia uh, for Ireland on Wednesday in Belgrade and it's going to be a tough game, a tough, tough game against Serbia. The Irish squad are meeting up this evening after all the players are released by their clubs following the weekend's Premier League and FA Cup action and they will train in the UK um, tomorrow and then fly to Serbia tomorrow evening ahead of that big Ireland and Serbia game on Wednesday. That's followed next Saturday by Ireland versus Luxembourg. You'd hope that we should have enough to beat Luxembourg. That's also a World Cup qualifying game. And then the following Tuesday, Tuesday week, Tuesday 30th of March, we have a friendly game. Doesn't mean much against Qatar thrown into it as well. So three games for Ireland in this international window, two of which are very, very important for Stephen Kenny as Ireland look to get their World Cup qualifying campaign off to a good start. Hopefully, off to a start with two wins. Fingers crossed. Uh, I've been chatting to Ireland and Liverpool legend Ronnie Whelan, and he says that he thinks Stephen Kenny has had a difficult start as Ireland manager, but needs to be given plenty of time. Yeah, um, very, very tough. It, it was. We all expected Stephen to go in there and things to happen. Um, as yet, nothing's really happened. I, th- I do think he's got to be given an awful lot longer than, than 10 mm-hmm. games as he's done. Um it's not looking so bright, but he's got to get his squad in together. And, you know, with all the, the COVID going about, it's, it's a difficult time for him. It's a difficult time for all international managers. But Serbia, it'd be nice to go away there and get some result. Even if you take a point in Serbia, you'd be more than happy. Come back and beat Luxembourg. Delighted that you'd be so happy with four points after two games. Um, but it's a big, big one in Serbia. They're strong. Um, 
we don't really know what team Ireland will put out. There'll be a few of the old heads that are still there. But one or two new faces, I would think, would be coming into the team. Stephen Kenny's had a bit of bad luck, really, I suppose, Ronnie, as you alluded to there. I mean, like, he's lost players through injury, through COVID. There's been fixtures rearranged, games postponed, all that kind of thing. And, um, I mean, there's been no crowds of the matches. There's a lot of things kind of working against him, so he needs to be given quite a bit more time, doesn't he? Yeah, an awful lot more time. For me, I would I'd see out this whole phase of qualifying. Um, give him that, at least give him that. Let's see whether he can get all these young lads coming through and get them together and mould them into a team. You listen to players um, and they're all talking nice about the manager. Um, they, 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 they want him there, they're behind him. So, yeah, that, that'll have some idea. He's got to be given time. Uh, the squad was announced during the week for this game as well and the goalkeeper one is, is going to be a tricky one because Darren Randolph is out Cuevin Keller is just coming back from injury and he's named four keepers in the squad so I mean it'll be a baptism if, if he is fit it'll be a baptism of fire for Cuevin Kelleher because he's obviously played for Liverpool in the Champions League and in the Premier League now at this stage but he's never really played at that level internationally yet so it'll be a tough one to throw him in straight away against Serbia for his kind of full debut Colin just seems a very very confident kid you know, what ball at his feet, he's like a centre midfielder, pinging it around, left foot, right foot, um, crosses, shot stop, and he seems to have it all as a keeper. He didn't really look phased when he played for Liverpool first team in the Champions League or in the Premiership. He, he just took everything in his stride, and I think he'll do that if he has to come in against Serbia. I know it's on the back of an injury, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about him if you were putting him in goal. And I suppose just finally at the other end of the pitch then, goals has been a huge problem for us. Uh, Aaron Connolly is an injury douse. Uh, goals haven't been coming from anywhere really. Obviously, David McGoldrick is retired now as well. He's quite a bit of a loss and there was a bit of talk about trying to get him back, but he's not coming back. So where did the goals come from for Ireland in this squad, do you think? I don't know how far do you look back. I don't know, it's Troy Parrott in the squad. I, I, he is, yeah, yeah. Well, he scored his first goal last week, but he's only 18 as well. So it's, it's very difficult if you... If you have a team and you don't have somebody like a Robbie Keane, we're crying out for a Robbie Keane or someone of that ilk. Um, but it's up to Stephen Kenny to find it. It's not our, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not our shout. It's got to be Stephen's got to find him. And we recorded that chat with Ronnie Whelan earlier on today before the breaking news that more players have withdrawn from the Irish squad. So more bad luck for Stephen Kenny ahead of that big game against Serbia in the World Cup qualifiers on uh, Wednesday. And one of those players is Cork goalkeeper Liverpool goalkeeper um, Cuevin Kelleher and we're kind of hoping that he might start in goal on Wednesday because Darren Randolph is ruled out through injury already the first choice goalkeeper so Kelleher's injury now is a significant blow for Stephen Kenny and leaves him with a bit of a goalkeeping headache for the next couple of games Uh, also ruled out uh, the breaking news this afternoon Burnley defender Kevin Long is ruled out as well as is Swansea midfielder Conor Herrerhin and Bristol City winger Callum O'Dowda as well so actually three Cork lads ruled out of the Irish squad Kevin Long Cuevin Kelleher and Conor Herrerhin um, unfortunately for Stephen Kenny you'd imagine Cuevin Kelleher would have been certain to start in Darren Randolph's absence you'd imagine Conor Herrerhin uh, probably would have played a part as well and possibly who knows maybe even Kevin Long would have but um, there, none of them are going to be involved obviously this coming week for the games against Serbia and Luxembourg it's the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM stay with us when we come back we are going to have a big preview between now and 7pm of the brand new league of Ireland season starting for Cork City beginning life in the first division of the SSE Airtricity League along with Cove Ramblers who face each other in a local derby City versus Ramblers this Friday night at Turner's Cross we look ahead to that game and the season as a whole with George O'Callaghan after the break we'll also hear from new Cork City signing George Heaven and lots more to come on the Big Red Bench here on Red FM between now and 7 o'clock The Big Red Bench Come on 
Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. All right, it's Colm O'Sullivan with you. It is the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Uh, on a busy weekend of sport, there's been another goal in the FA Cup. Leicester City 2-1 up now on Manchester United. That is a big, big game. And it is Yuri Tielemans getting the second goal for Leicester. Ian Acho got the first goal for Leicester earlier on to put them 1-0 up. Mason Greenwood equalised, making it 1-all. And Tielemans making it 2-1 now, uh, just a little while ago, for Leicester City. So at the moment, with about 20 minutes left in that game, they are the ones who look like progressing in the FA Cup. But there is a lot of football to be played there yet earlier on. Chelsea get a 2-0 win over Sheffield United. And in the Premier League today, Arsenal coming back from 3-0 down against West Ham to draw 3-all in a very, very exciting game at the London Stadium. And later on this evening at 7.30, Aston Villa and Spurs in the Premier League as well. But right now, we're going to talk football closer to home because a brand new season of the League of Ireland, the SSE Airtricity League, gets underway or even got underway this week because the Premier Division got underway this weekend. But it is the first division where our interest lies here in Cork. Strangely, this season for Cork City FC and for Cove Ramblers. And both of those sides doing battle in a local derby in the opening game of a brand new first division season at Turners Cross this Friday night. It is going to be a tough, tough season in the first division. Cork City obviously relegated from the Premier Division last year. Um, just three years after they were champions in 2017. Double champions in 2017. City will be hoping to bounce back up and get promoted at the first first attempt but they will find it tough against the likes of Shelburne also in the first division you got John Caulfield's Galway United you got Bray Wanderers UCD obviously Cove Ramblers are there as well and it's going to be a tough opening game for both City and Cove as the rivals do battle on Friday night can't wait for it down the cross obviously um, there won't be crowds there but it will be streamed live online with the uh, FEI's new streaming service as well which is watch LOI for the um, Premier Division and they have another one LOI TV for the First Division as well. You can get more details on that on Cork City FC's Instagram and Twitter pages as well. But we're joined right now by Cork City FC legend George O'Callaghan to look ahead to the season. How's it going, Georgie? Very good, Colin. Nice to talk to you. Um, it's a strange one because we're looking at the Premier Division this weekend. We saw the Shamrock Rovers game on TV the other night. Dundalk were playing last night and so on. And you'd expect Cork City to be involved. But we have to wait until next weekend. It's the First Division. And I suppose it's strange, first of all, to have Cork City playing in the First Division, isn't it? It is very strange. And uh, when the season kicked off uh, this weekend and Cork City aren't in it, you know, you do miss them not being in the, in the top division. Uh, but it's a big one it's a big one on Friday to kick off the first division a local derby Cork City versus Cove Ramblers um, it's it's the first time they've played in the league in quite a few years George in over a decade so I mean that's a huge occasion pity we can't have a big crowd in Turner's Cross but it's still going to be a great game isn't it? It is it's really exciting uh, times really because uh, having a local derby like this um, I, I actually played in the last time I think we played Cove Yeah, and uh, it's always a great occasion and uh, you know, it's lovely to see Cove like get, if we could have the big crowds this this week, but obviously we can't. But, uh, but um, it's something for the lads to, to look forward to, and we watch it on TV. Uh, you're looking at both squads then. I mean, Cork City have a, have a lot of the squad that was there last season. A lot of the local players in particular, some of the young players, have been kept on by Colin Healy. And he signed a couple of new guys as well. He's brought uh, a couple of guys in from the UK. And obviously Stephen Beattie back at the club as well. So he's strengthened the squad too. And the City squad is looking good, isn't it? It is looking good. Um, I think when you look at it last season, I, I think they probably tried to change everything too quickly. And uh, it was probably insane bringing in, in uh, 18, was 18 games in the league last year and yeah. they could have changed the whole culture. 
But um, they seem to brought back BD, um, you know, and they still have Gerard that stayed on. So um, in a way, they look even look stronger this year than they did last year. They look like they have more of a kind of a team and more of a team spirit. We saw Colin Healy kind of getting the, the team going towards the end of last season after Neil Fenn was sacked. Colin Healy kind of got the squad together, regrouped, changed around some of the playing staff and so on and really stamped his own authority on it. And we were talking about towards the end of last season whether we thought Colin Healy should have got the job and I think both you and I were saying he should definitely get a crack at the job. He has been given the job full time and you'd be quite confident of how Colin Healy will do this year. I think he'll do pretty well. Yeah, and I think the thing with Colin, he understands the League of Ireland. And um, I think last year, I think they kind of lost their way in, in the way that they kind of wanted to play this kind of new stylish kind of football, which it's very hard to play in the League of Ireland. And uh, I always remember when I went back to Cork City, Patsy Friend said to me, uh, you have to earn the right to play. And last year, they didn't really earn the right to play in matches. But I think with, uh, with, with Colin's experience and the way Colin was as a player and the way he's a coach, you know, they're going to be a lot more organised and harder to beat. And uh, like, and I'd be really surprised if Colin doesn't ha- have the team that have the team of that way. It's going to be a tough first division in general. Obviously, uh, you're looking at Cork City. You're looking at some of the other clubs. There, Cove have brought in quite a few players themselves as well. Yeah, no, Cove have made some good signings. Um, you know, they had a really good season last year. I'm very unlucky not to get in the playoffs. Uh, Stewie's done a great job down there. And uh, like, and and again, like you know, Stewie knows the, the league of Ireland as well. And, He's a really good, solid base, and he's a lot of players that come in and they work hard for him. And and you know they kind of have that foundation that you need to get results. And and it's going to be really interesting the, the both styles of both teams uh, at the at the weekend. And then you look around some of the other clubs, George. I mean, it's got to be the most competitive first division in the League of Ireland, possibly ever. You have John Caulfield up in Galway has assembled a good squad there and he'll have them absolutely flying. Shelburne have spent a lot of money. They're going to be right up the top. They're favourites to actually get automatic promotion. The likes of Bray are going to be good. UCD, it's a tough, tough league, isn't it? It's a really tough league, but it's going to be an exciting league. Um, I think in a ways it's going to be a lot more exciting than the Premier League. Because you, you basically know it's going to be the big two with Dundalk mm. and Shamrock Rovers in the Premier League, but anything can happen in the first division. And and like I, I often think, you know, the first division lacks quality. But if you have players that come in and they've got a good team spirit and they've got that good team shape and and they have a bit of luck and maybe just if they're lucky enough to come fall upon it, like a striker or a really good midfielder can get goals, then anything can happen in that league. And uh, that's what happened and when you look at Coffee last year when he came back into Galway like like they, if they had him from the start no doubt they would have went up you know so mm. they're all going to be competing against uh, Galway first of all and then you look as you say with Shells as well and then obviously then we have Cork City and Cove and we're hoping they'll go up but um, it's going to be really really tough with all those teams in that division who do you fancy, George? I mean, like, I, I was looking at the, the odds, the betting the other day. Shells are the favourites, Galway are second favourites, then you got Bray, Cork City are fourth favourites. Do you think City will do better than fourth? Do you think they'll, they'll be up there pushing for the top spot for automatic, or will they be hoping for a playoff? I, I really think Caulfield really has got his, like, his teeth stuck in a Galway, and I think they're going to be very difficult uh, to, to beat this year. Um, I think they'll definitely be the favourites in my eyes. Shells will be good because they were very unlucky to go down. I think it could, could be really tough time for Cork you know because they're trying to blend in a lot of young players and uh, that can be really tough for Colin but um, he just needs a bit of luck but I just can't see it um, happening this year for Cork I think they just have a lot of foundations to put back in again and start again and hopefully they will but um, it's going to be really really difficult to, to be, do better than Galway and Shells and, and UCD we were chatting to Stephen Beattie on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was kind of saying that 
a lot of the young players in the squad they need kind of the older players to get him to get into him and get him stuck in and kind of give him a, a little bit of a a little bit of encouragement and maybe even give out to them have a, have a bit of a shouting match at them sometimes to get him going um, was that missing last year do you think at Cork City and is guy, are guys like Stephen Beattie and Garrod Morrissey the guys in there who will need to do that this year I think that's definitely what they need and you know if you think Garrod is a big big part of that team and if you look at the midfield of Morrissey uh, Alex Byrne mm. and and Coleman like that's a really strong midfield like, you know, that, that's a midfield that's very comfortable in the Premier League uh, I think last year maybe bringing in you know they brought in a lot of lads from non-league in the UK that probably didn't understand the League of Ireland because no matter how good you are as soon as you go play in the League of Ireland you get a big shock because everybody's honest in that league and they all work hard and you realise you've no time on the ball and I think that's what happened last year by the time the lads figured out the league and understood it it was too late and Friday then Cork City and Cove what do you think George as we said local derby uh, it's, it's an opening game of the season and I mean it's always hard to predict an opening game of the season and it's always hard to predict a local derby Cork City at home in Turner's Cross will they have too much for Cove or do you think Cove will give them a real battle I think Cove will give them a re- really good battle you know they've made some really good signings you know they've got Keane Murphy mm. coming in from centre back from Galway as well and he's a Cork lad and he'll be up for that game and I think the Cove lads a lot of them have been offered contracts to go to Cork City this year and, and they turned them down. So they wanted to stay at Cove. So that says a lot about what Cove, Cove's intentions are. So I think it's going to be a real battle. And you never know the first game season. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of shape they go out and, and what way Cork City approach the game. But um, I'm sure Cove are the more settled side. So it's, it's, it's worrying for Cork City if you're a Cork City fan. But um, you know what? The players just got to go out and try to pull it out of the bag now and... and and try to kick on, believe in what Colin is doing, and um, and hopefully they can get the results and, and get the club back. But it, it is going to be a, like a long road, and it's going to be tough, tough work. Fingers crossed, Cork City can get promotion at the, at the first um, at the first attempt. I mean, it'd be nice to see Cork City and Cove really kind of battling at the top end of the league throughout the season, and hopefully later on in the season we'll have crowds back in the, in the games as well. Because like that would be great to have a crowd there this weekend for that. I mean, that would be nearly a full house for Cork City and Cove, wouldn't it, George? Oh, definitely, it would. You know, like it's been so long since they've had a game like this. And um, it's such a shame that the crowds can't be there. I think if the crowds were there, I would fancy Cork City because the Cove lads wouldn't really be used to it. A lot of the Cork City boys, like the majority of the team, have the experience of doing that. But um, without the crowds, you know, it kind of evens it up a lot for me playing at Turner's Cross. And, um, you know, the Cove lads, are a lot of Cork lads in there as well. So they're, they're used to playing at Turner's Cross as well. You know, they've come from the Cork City Academy or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a really fascinating game. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, as you said, I'd love to see a, a Cove and Cork uh, in the 1-2 this year. But they have a lot of hard work ahead of them, I think. Got a call it, George. Are you going to give us a prediction? What do you think for Friday night? My heart's a city, of course. But <laughs> I think um, I think Cove could give them a bit of a shock in the first game. Just just because they have more experience of being together. And last year, they've done really well. And, and you know, they've built on, built on that. And they've had time. They have time and, you know, Colin's just been in the door. Really. I know he had a little bit last season. But um, I hope City win it, but I think it's going to be, um, I hope not, but it could be Cove tonight. It's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a great season. George, listen, thanks for coming on, chatting to us as always on the show, and we look forward to a good season of football ahead. Thanks, Colin. That is Cork City legend George O'Callaghan um, speaking to us there ahead of the brand new season, the first division season for Cork City and Cove Ramblers this year. And it all kicks off with City versus Cove in a local derby 
this coming Friday night at Turner's Cross. Myself and Rory will both be down there and we'll bring you all the coverage here at Cork's Red FM and keep an eye on the Red FM social media on Friday evening as well for all the latest on that game, especially because obviously fans can't get to that unfortunately at the moment, but uh, hopefully it is sooner rather than later. Uh, if they can roll out the vaccines and we can get the crowds back into all sports across Ireland. Fingers crossed, sooner rather than later. Uh, we're staying with City and we're going from one George to another George because earlier this week, Rory got the chance to speak to New Cork City signing George Heaven. What a great name, Heaven. Uh, the former Leicester City defender has put pen to paper for the season uh, and is targeting promotion with the Rebel Army. Rory spoke to George about his career, his plans with City and more. Cork City signing George Heaven. George, how are you, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you very much indeed. Um, how's pre-season been going? Yeah, it's been going very well. There's, uh, there's been a lot of games and uh, they've been tough games, but we started off well and we think we're looking strong as a unit. Are you the kind of fella who absolutely hates pre-season training or is it something you kind of just go, have to get on with it? Like, uh, No, it never gets easier. It's, it's one of the worst things in the world, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's for the better. Do you know what I mean? You need to, you need to put yourself and your body through it. And uh, yeah, it, it don't get easier, honestly. Especially um, for Irish football with the summer season, you're doing your pre-season training in horrible, wintry, icy conditions like this, which can't help. <laughs> nah, it's never. Honestly, you could do it in the sun, rain, wind, whatever. It, it, it's just horrible all year round. Horrible. Um, so tell us how the move to Cork City came about, George. Um, well, it first came about. It was. Um, there was, there's, there's been a lot of talk from agencies and across everywhere about the Irish league, and it's just it's getting better and better each season. And the, the respect, the respect for the league is just each season is getting higher and higher. So uh, it's, it's been on the cards for a while to, to come over here and, and try and play football. First team football is what I've needed, and I just feel like it was the best fit. And as soon as I got the call that court were interested, it was it probably took me 10, 15 minutes to get my bag sorted and I was I was on I was on the next plane honestly it was it was I just wanted to we chomping the bit to get going and, and luckily I'm, I'm here now and things are going great and obviously Colin Healy has uh, quite an international reputation as well which must have uh, helped your decision yeah yeah definitely I mean um, Colin uh, the gaffer he's got a good um, a good reputation with, uh, with a lot of people over in England he's got he's very well respected so uh, that that made the decision for people that were looking looking after me to send me over to Colin they, it was no doubt they had no worries they, they trusted him and he's, he's, a, he's a great guy as well Can you talk to me about your career up to this point George? Yeah my career I mean it's been it's been an interesting one it was I, um, I went to Leicester City when I was nine years old and um, I spent my whole what, what seems like my whole career there since I was I left when I was 20 left when I was 20 and it was just it was good. I can't. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. it was brilliant. I, I enjoyed my football. I was a kid growing up. It was all I was interested in football. Football wasn't so interested in school. Just wanted to play football all the time. And I, I think with anything in life in general, it just just got a bit. I knew everyone. I knew the place. I knew it just got a bit same old, same old. And I just feel like I want. I wasn't getting the respect I maybe deserved, or and I just wasn't. Just was I needed a new challenge. I needed something fresh and something to spice it up. So, so I, I we we parted ways with Leicester, and um, in the summer, and then over the summer, I was training, just getting ready for whatever opportunity came next. I honestly didn't have a plan. I just was just was sure I, I needed something else. What that was, I didn't know. 
and um, I then went on trial for I went on trial for, to Man City uh, in the pre-season. Got a call off my agent saying that I was going to go Man City. Went to Man City, then had a call from West Ham saying they wanted me in, so I went into West Ham. Things didn't work out there. They they bought another centre back from Portugal, which was is what it is. Just has to keep going, and that you can't dwell on it. And then I thought to myself, I wanted to uh, play some men's football, so I, I went into I went into non-league and um, played a season in non-league. Got some experience under my belt. Played against men as a centre as a centre back. You, you need to kind of develop that side of the game because it's not always. I'm used to nice football, academy football, passing the ball here and there. Not a lot of tackling maybe in the men's football really opened my eyes up to the real world and the real game and it was the best thing for me to be honest. It definitely and that that set me up for this now. I feel like <clears throat> it's just it's the perfect opportunity and I'm I'm ready for it now, physically and mentally. But still, to leave Leicester, a club that you've been with since nine years of age, must have been an incredibly tough decision, not just from a footballing side, but from, a, I suppose, an emotional and personal side as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. It was it was a big decision. It wasn't something that just kind of happened overnight, but just, I think, there's so much to football. It's, it's, it's your job, but it, it builds your character. Like, you need to have these life experiences. Like, now I've, I've moved away from my family, which, which as a, as a, as a, as a 21-year-old boy, you need to start making these steps and, do you know what I mean, and start to live your own life and grow up a bit. So I think everything just kind of came together and it just seemed to be the perfect opportunity and I'm, I'm buzzing that I took it, honestly. Are you living with a couple of the lads from the team at the moment? Yeah, yeah, there's um, there's the old pro beats as it is, he calls himself. Stephen <laughs> Beat in here, we've got, um, got Jamie and um, another lad called Jack from England as well. So yeah, it's a good set of lads. We're getting on. Yeah. So is Beats the grumpy old man of the house? Is he? <laughs> uh, nah, you know what? He's a top lad of cop. I can't complain. He's uh, he's he's just. I can learn a lot from him because obviously he's he's at the other end of his his career. He won't mind me saying. Mm. And um, yeah, he's a he's a top professional, and the way he goes about things is it's a credit to him. So big credit. How would you describe as your, yourself as a footballer, George? And what do you hope to bring to this Cork City team this season? Oh, see, myself is a it's an interesting one because I think a lot of people see me as a, as a defender, big, tall defender, and they just kind of expect the traditional tackle and <laughs> defend. And it's not the case with me. I'm, I'm, uh, that that is always growing up. I just wanted to play football. I'd never hated looking over my head watching the ball get booted over. I just it's never been my style of play. I just find it boring. It's not. It's not for me, so I like to get the ball down from the back, off the goalkeeper, play out through the midfield, and just get involved. Like I just want to be, just want to dictate the play. So um, yeah, that's that's really what 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 you can expect. And I think we, our team now we've already established that our identity is going to be that we want a lot of the ball. We don't want to be sat back and holding up, soaking up the pressure. We want to be on the front foot all the time and dictating the play. I think that's what that's what we're gonna that's what we've we've started to look doing in pre-season and if from the last game especially which is the game we've had the most ball I think we've showed that we, we can do that we've got the players that are willing and confident enough to do that and are good enough on the ball and the way the game has evolved over the last couple of years you have to be a ball playing centre-back because teams are playing out from the back a lot more definitely definitely it's a bit I think it's quite old-fashioned to think now that centre-halves are defending heading and 
just doing a bit. But don't get me wrong, you can't you can't push that side of the game away because at the end of the day, I'm on the pitch to stop the other team scoring. So you mm-hmm. can't forget that. You can't be naive to think that's old fashioned because at the end of the day, that's what you're there for. But if you've got the other side to your game, that is it's, it's very it's very important. The modern the modern game is is how it's evolving. Yeah, it's where it's going. And Colin's teams, I suppose he wants teams. He wants his team to play football. He doesn't want the ball to be up in the air, as you said, which must be, uh, I suppose, a good thing for you. Definitely, it was another factor. As soon as I, as soon as I spoke to him, it was one of the first things that was said. It was that we, we, especially dropping down the division, we are going to have a lot of the ball. So, to me, straight away, that was that was tick perfect. Because you need the trust from the manager. It's all the whole team can can want to play out from the back every time. Not every time, but the whole team can be confident with the ball. But at the end of the day, you've got to do what the gaff wants you to do. Otherwise, you ain't going to be playing. So mm. everyone's on board, and it's just it's just it's just a, it's a good combination. I mean, there's nothing it's brilliant. Colin has assembled uh, a decent squad for for this year, but the the first division as a whole is going to be incredibly competitive. Um, you must be really looking forward to to getting out on the pitch, starting with Cove Ramblers on Friday week. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's going to be a very competitive season. I mean, I think from the preseason games that we've already played already, we're playing against lads in the top division <clears throat> week in week out, and I think obviously the score. There's obviously it's only preseason, so you can't go too much into the score from from both perspectives from both teams but we've put up more than a fight in every, in every game so if we're challenging ourselves week in week out against these sides then it's only it's not going to be easier but we're, we're going to be more than capable of dealing with anything that gets thrown our way that is a new Cork City signing George Heaven talking about the new season of the League of Ireland First Division starting this Friday with Cork City versus Cove Ramblers down in Turner's Cross a big local derby can't wait for it it's going to be absolutely fantastic right now we're switching our attention to women's football and earlier this week it was confirmed that Becky Casson would captain Cork City's women's team for the upcoming season Casson signed from Wexford Youths last season helping the Rebel Army to the FAI Cup Final and their highest league finish since 2011 Rory was speaking to Becky during the week we're joined on the line now by New Cork City captain Becky Casson Becky first off congratulations this is a big honour yeah it is huge um, Cork City is obviously a massive club with a, you know, a really big reputation so to be given the opportunity to be captain is massive yeah. How were you surprised when Ronan called you or Ronan called you and said you're, you're my captain for this year yeah I was um you know, we have a lot of players in the team that are more than capable of stepping into that role and being captain. So um, it was in a player meeting with all the coaches. He got onto me and, you know, they, they asked me if I'd if I'd be captain and I didn't have to think twice about it. It was always going to be a yes. What kind of attributes now would you hope to bring into the captaincy for the season ahead? Um, leadership. I think I think I'll lead by example more than anything else. Um, you know, we have a really good group in there already that that are motivated it won't I won't need to do very much motivating myself but yeah just good leadership skills which I think I have and um, a work rate that I think everyone can kind of buy into Your appointment as captain has been quite popular on my social media everyone seems to be delighted that you, you are the captain which must be quite pleasing for you Yeah it's nice I didn't expect the sort of reaction that I got um, especially at home you know I had a lot of people messaging me from home seeing it on Facebook and stuff like that so that was nice yeah it was really nice it's just your second season at the club, so are you surprised, given how short you've been at the club, that you, you were handed the arm man this quickly? 
yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think anybody expects to come in and uh, step into this sort of roles, you know, as quickly as I have. But I've loved it since I've been in. I've, I feel like I've been a part of the club for years now rather than just two. So, um, no, I'm, I'm, you know, buzzing to have it. And I think it hopefully it goes well. And when you look back on last year, Becky, I mean, like uh, your highest league finish in, in nine years, getting to the cup final, um, a very, very good season overall. It was, yeah, really, a really good season. Um, we had a lot of, you know, really good experiences. We went on a run of five wins in a row, which is huge, um, which we obviously learned a lot from. And then into the cup final, which we all know wasn't, you know, the outcome that we would have wanted, but you learn the most from those sorts of games. So overall, it was definitely a successful year. Um, and one to build on. We've had players come and go now in the last few weeks, so it's it'll be another another big year to see. You know how far we've come, and um, preseason is nearly finished now. So we've put in the work over the last six to seven weeks. So hopefully it'll you know come to fruition come the start of the season. As you say, Becky, the cup final, not the results you obviously would have wanted for me. Do you reflect back on that game, and do you, do you are you able to see? Uh, the achievement of getting to the cup final what that was or is the the results still kind of on your mind yeah definitely just getting there was huge in itself and it was a target that we set at the start of the year um, but I do I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it at least once a week I'd say um, just in, in training and stuff you know different um, scenarios but no there was a lot personally that I could take from it that I, I do take from it and I know all the girls are the same we had a lot of younger girls coming through that got the opportunity to, you know, see what it's like at that level, you know, which is the top that we need to, the top level that we need to be at. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a steep learning curve, but one that I think you have to have at some stage in your career. Piemont are obviously an exceptional side, the standard bearers. I mean, like, um, it just shows you, I suppose, the work that's needed to get to that level, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, they were class. Um, you know, they showed that all season. They didn't, I don't think they faltered at all. Um, and we played them in pre-season then a, f- a few weeks ago and it, it's it's a it's a good opportunity to play them, you know, and, and see the level, remind us again of what the level we need to be at. Um, but, yeah, no, they're, they're really good. They've, you know, really good players and management and that's where we have to get to. That's where we know we need to do to get to. Becky, given everything that's going on with COVID, I suppose you're one of the lucky groups in that you can actually train and you've got matches very, very soon. You've had pre-season matches. And like, how fortunate do you feel to be able to, to play football uh, given what's going on in this pandemic? Oh, hugely fortunate. Um, you know, we all know how lucky we are because we have that release you know, three or four days a week that you know very few people have. So we're, we know that we're in a very small um you know, population of people that actually get to get out and see people and, um, like I said, have that release. I know we do. We know how fortunate we are and we don't take it for granted at all. How big a deal, Becky, was it that it was announced that you're going to be playing all your home games at Turners Cross this year? Massive. Um, I was buzzing as soon as I found out. All the girls were. Um, I think for years, they've, you know, that's wanted... It's something that has wanted to happen from the girls' side of the club for the women's side. Um so to be in there is huge. Now it'd be nice to have crowds in and have the shed end packed, but might be waiting a while for that now. But when it does happen, I know it'll be huge. Yeah, that'd be a very pro one for you though, leading a Cork City team out in Turners Cross. Have you thought about that? I have. Yeah, um, I was at a few games a few years ago, a few men's matches, and I was in the shed end and when it was packed, and it's an, an unbelievable experience. So to flip that now and be walking out onto the pitch myself is going to be 
it's going to be really nice um, is it your first home games against Shelburne is it? it is yeah, yeah I think so so that's going to be yeah. a, a huge game to, to, to kick things off at Turner's Cross yeah that'll that'll set the tone for the year I think um, no it's nice we, it, we're happy now that we'll have a, a good you know tough game to start the season and um, a few familiar faces <laughs> certainly one very familiar face will be Sir Shanoon and um, were you surprised to see her leave City and sign for Shelburne and are you looking forward to coming up against our Turner's Cross uh, yeah, no, I know Saoirse is so motivated and, um, you know, wants to get to the top, the top level and um, you have to do these things for yourself. You have to, you know, make moves that you think will benefit you and, um, you know, I've, I, we all wish her all the best. I, you know, I've said it before, she's done a lot for City in, in the last few years and was a huge part of the journey. So, yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing her. Hopefully she won't be walking off pitching three points at the end of the game. But um. That is Becky Casson, who will captain Cork City FC's women's team for the upcoming season. Chatting to Rory. It's Cullum with you on the Big Red Bench. That is me out of time for this evening. Just before we go, uh, to give you a full-time score in the FA Cup and Leicester have beaten Manchester United. United are out of the FA Cup. Final score, Leicester 3, Manchester United 1 at the King Power Stadium. Ian Acho getting two goals for Leicester there. Tielemans with the other goal and and Mason Greenwood getting the solitary goal for Manchester United. So that finished Leicester 3, Manchester United 1. In uh, the other FA Cup game today was Chelsea 2, Sheffield United 0. In the Premier League, what a comeback from Arsenal against West Ham. West Ham high-flying in 5th in the Premier League. They went 3-0 up after 32 minutes, but Arsenal battled back to get a 3-all draw there in the Premier League. And there is one more game at 7.30 this evening. Aston Villa taking on Spurs in the Premier League as well. That is me out of time for this evening. Have a wonderful, lovely Sunday evening, whatever you're getting up to and stand by for the best in Irish music Mr. Connor Halpin on the way next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm